Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Acton Millwall. It's your deadline day special with Millwall having recorded their first deadline day signing this year. It's a big one. We've got the exclusive right now. Luke still returns on another six months. Big business. This is Acton Millwall. My name is Aaron Paul. Delighted to be here with you. Absolutely buzzing uh, to be here with you. It's been a bit of a, a funny old week for the Lions, but don't worry. We'll be chatting through it now. Over the next 40 minutes to an hour. No, Harry's not on our podcast this week. So. <laughs> uh, uh, joining me this week, this week, is the man himself, the double act, Mr. Paul Hollywood. Um, I mean, to be fair, you could go out as Paul Bollywood if you wanted to. It's Nick Paul Hart. Bollywood. That's a different take on it. Paul Bollywood. I might try well, that. Well, you could, mate. You could advertise yourself as Paul Bollywood, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give that a go. <laughs> Greetings, dear listeners. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Trice, welcome. Yeah, and salutations. To, I mean, look, let me let me tell you something. The transfer window sometimes is about, you know, maybe bringing back a player that has sinned maybe at the, uh, the start. <laughs> someone that hasn't performed quite well, someone who's wanted out a bit. It's an opportunity for, for people to repent, if you like. And we've brought Ryan Lockett <laughs> with that other mob. Who, I mean, we've brought him back. We've given him another go. Like I said... Like I said, it was an appearance elsewhere just to bolster my contract here at Acton Mill. You know, Ryan, Ryan is the Mason, to... he's the Mason Bennett of the show. He's looking for a new start, a new, a new, a new, yeah. a new beginning, a new dawn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> right, uh, let's get down to it. It's been, um, it hasn't been a, a, an amazing uh, week for Mo. Of course, first knocked out at the, uh, of the FA Cup by Sheffield United at the Den. Um, but then the uh, the defeat at Leeds, um, mm. very sort of honest in his post-match reaction, uh, saying that uh, Leeds taught Millwall less and that Marcelo Bielsa's side were the best side that Millwall played after the Lions lost a two-goal lead at half-time at Ellen Road on Tuesday. Nick, where do you want to kick off? Well, I mean, the manager is it's refreshing to see um, a post-match interview where you find yourself agreeing with every single point he's making. It's, um, you know, it's, it's ruthlessly honest. I, I will say that much. Um, I mean, I, I watched the game 
on Red Button Sky, which is a, is a great quote from the man in Block 11. I'm going to give a shout out because he said, if you watch on the Red Button, that you recreate the event by going to actually going to the game, putting sellotape over your eyes, and whilst a stranger tells you random untruths in your ear, because it was like that. <laughs> it was basically, um, you know, a series of, of yellow and white dots moving around, which you could just about make out as you got closer in as to who they were. Um, and the commentary was, was something else. But even in my befuddled uh, red button state I could tell that we were we did well to get two goals ahead but I mean even in that first half we were getting drawn in and Bart Bill Koska was making a series of, of, of goal saving saves and I don't know about you Ryan but I, even as we came in at half time I thought this if this continues we're going to concede and once we conceded we can see we're going to concede more. I, I couldn't see. We, we we didn't look settled at half time, in my opinion. Yeah, it was it was definitely one of the floodgates opening sort of situation. It was. I was so pissed off straight after the game and uh, just so annoyed with how it went. Two 0 up, just a classic mill thing. It took me a a night's sleep on it. To, I w- I watched it again the next morning just to Did you? Did see you? how bad we were or how good it was and. Yeah, that's when you do step back and go, do you know what, Leeds are just a really good side. I think Millwall were, like you say, we're quite lucky to go 2-0 up, but, you know, you get 2-0 up, and no matter how good a side is, you would expect a side to at least put up a fight. I think Millwall were poor in the second half. We were actually, for how good we've been on the road, we were, although Leeds were good and they put us under pressure, I think a lot of players did falter. I think yeah, it made I agree. a bit of a misstep when... Like the second half, especially when Leeds equalised or equalised when they pulled one back straight away, I think Rowett just waited too long to make a change, and uh, a lot of the players kind of deer in headlights, poor games, sloppy on the ball. But you can't look past the fact that Leeds were just ridiculously good and relentless, and with the home advantage, you know they get a bit of momentum. They're going to push it over the edge. You know, following it on on Sky, um, it's not the same as being there. So those that went will tell me different perhaps but um it sounded like a big atmosphere it sounded like once Leeds get momentum going they do have a quality side mm. you can't you can't hide from the resources that they're able to pour into their team I mean was it a Red Bull Leipzig they signed a guy from there for, for uh, yeah. Fif- yeah. 15 million well you know we are in a different um a different ballpark in that sense whether we could have done better in the second half I I I Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, I had I left the game as frustrated as yourself there, Ryan, and mm. I was quite buzzed up when I, I mean, it finished about ten o'clock. And I was quite buzzed, couldn't get asleep for a while because you just get into the the zone of watching um, watching the game. And also, we we made a little bit of a not a comeback. We had a chance uh, near the end where we went close. So it, it wasn't quite as um, dramatic a loss as it felt in the moment. I, I did feel. Um, like we've been punched on the nose slightly, and then yeah. got, I'm going to be interested to see how we, you know, how we come back from that on Saturday. We'll, we'll come to that later, but um, I don't know what else we could have done. I, I have a sense that even if Rowett had made the say the changes and the substitutions that people have been calling for on online, there's been plenty of you know suggestions, and there's lots and lots of um, managers out there. I wonder what we could have done to stop it. Because well, it's my only thing, my only thing with that with the changes is I thought. Like you said, towards the end of the game, we did get into it. And obviously, it's coming towards the end. So, maybe Leeds are then starting to get a bit nervous themselves. They've gone 3-2 up and it kind of switches to them trying to hold on to it. They had that one chance where it should have been 4-2 and he just put it straight over the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, so Rowett makes all the changes after we go 3-2 down. I think it was clear to see, and this isn't me digging him out because I think 
he wasn't the worst performer for Mill on the pitch. But Murray Wallace was really struggling because he was up against Helder Costa, who's a really quality winger who a Leeds are signing for 15 million. Like he's a really good player at this level. Any left back's going to struggle against him. When he changed, took Pierce off and put Ferguson on. It was it, he had that support. It was a bit better. I think you could see that danger was coming. Leeds' second and third goals both came down that flank. If you get yeah. Ferguson on a bit early, maybe Murray Wallace gets a bit of support. Maybe. And obviously, this is all hindsight. You don't know if it's going to affect it. For me, we looked better when we went to a back four and we looked like we impacted the game. If Raul had done that 10 minutes earlier, because Lee scored two goals so quickly, if he'd have done it 10 minutes earlier, maybe things would have gone a bit differently. But, I mean, it did seem at times it was a matter of when, not if, with the, the like wave after wave of Leeds attack. So it's hard to say if it would have impacted the game, like you're saying. I suppose that's a criticism of Neil Harris that the changes would come after we've we've gone behind or yeah. after the after the game starts to slip away from us. The changes came then, whereas Rowett, Gary Rowett, since he's come to the club, has has, has been refreshing in making changes prior to the game slipping away from us, and it just didn't happen on Ellen Road. I, I I take the point, and I think that you know um, hindsight is easy. Um, yeah, of course. I do think they're a decent team, Leeds. Uh, people tell you off on, online if you say stuff like this because we're not supposed to praise Leeds in any way, shape or form. But um, I thought they looked like a, a the kind of side that are destined for Premier League football. I mean, whether you like that or not, they played at a level that was, as Gary Rowett said, one up from where we're at and where we can achieve ourselves. So... Mm. Um, you got to. You sometimes you've got to take one on the chin. I just think it was one of those nights. I'm, I'm more interested in where it's going to leave us. Um, yes. How, where the confidence is going to be at coming into um, Sheffield on on Saturday tomorrow, and and going. You know, we've got West Brom at home next uh, Sunday, isn't it? Sunday afternoon game. Yeah. Two it's big games. Refreshing to see Millwall not playing at an awkward time on a Sunday in Sheffield or around Yorkshire. <laughs> it's really refreshing. Like, thank you to. To, to West Yorkshire police are actually sort of just like just calm yeah. down a bit now, you know, because it was it was all sorts of problems, yeah, all sorts of problems on the old transport, and now with it, uh, Nick's able to take Mrs. Hart up for a romantic getaway to Sheffield to Steel City. Well, we're having, a, we're having a little weekend away, which uh, can combine it with an away game. So um, yeah, um, but months in advance, he didn't even look at the fixtures for that one. Romance is not dead, Ryan. I tell you, romance is not, <laughs> romance lives out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I big game Saturday. I mean, we, we, we can't do much now or anything about the Leeds game. I'm, I'm just really interested to see, A, what team he names tomorrow. We've, we've got the, the signing of Mason Bennett. Um, we've, we've touched on him already. And I don't know how match fit he's going to be, but um, mm. he he comes billed as Mr. Power and Mr. Pace. You happy with uh, that? You happy, are you happy with designer? I mean, obviously... In terms of January business, everyone's going to look at, um, you know, the Bart deal being made permanent. I think we'll talk about it later. Bart and the new contracts of Williams and Arch. But in terms of in terms of Bennett, are you happy with that deal? Are you happy with Steel? Would you like to maybe see one more? I know Matej Vidra has been talked about, but nothing seems to be happening at Burnley. I mean, what are your thoughts? My, my own thoughts, I mean, I, I, Ryan might tell you more about Mason Bennett playing-wise than I'm able to. I've not really followed the, the, the guy's career, mm. so I... He doesn't have a huge scoring record, but he does come um, with with power and pace, and that's one thing that we do need up front. Um, there's, there's this other there's this other issue. What, what I always think of is the kind of the the moral high horse that people get on when you have guys that have got some checkered 
um, incident in their past. Um, I mean, I've, I've been reading all about it, actually. Uh, I've never paid the, 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 the drink drive incident at Derby much, much heed previously, but I read about it. And he's, you know, th- th- there's a lot you can criticise Mason mm. Bennett for and on this um, team building evening. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they, they've laid on a team building evening and they've laid on um, taxis home at the end of the night. So why do you show up in That's your all right. car? Tom Lawrence and Mason Bennett are getting 180 hours together for the next two years, I think, in community service. What better team building exercise do you want than that? Oh, you know. <laughs> but I mean, there's so many, there's so many points in the storyline where you think, well, why did you do that then? You know, um, yeah. and fundamentally, if it's a if it's a team building evening and you're going to go for a drink afterwards, why are you jumping in your car to go there? What, 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 you know, I I know he's not going to get the bus, don't get me wrong, <laughs> listeners, but he, he's not short of enough money to call a cab to well, drop him off there. What, why did the you thing. do this? You know. So this, this, so like you said, I, I, I obviously wrote on my blog a couple of days before he signed. I, I did, I was doing a bit of research into Mason Bennett because obviously a lot of the chat He's been linked with us. I think in his interview, he said um, he's been chatting to Rowett as early as November, but he's been out injured. So it's obviously been quite a, a long drawn out one. He's only really come because he's returned to fitness. So I was doing quite a lot of reading and he's had a really stop start career. Injuries, problems when he was younger. He made his debut at 15 years old and 99 days for Derby in the championship. Wow. So that's that's really young. That's like that's not like you know just about to turn sixteen. That's very early on as a fifteen-year-old. So he come came into Derby with a lot of expectation, maybe a lot of excitement. Like imagine if a fifteen-year-old made a debut for Millwall, we'd all be thinking he's the next big thing. So, and then since then it's just never really worked. He's had a few loan spells, got injured on those, got recalled, and he's never really fitted in the first team. Whether that's because of quality, obviously we'll see with Millwall. The, the drink driving thing. Like you say, people make mistakes and you learn from them. There's a lot of interesting points in that case. So, Tom Lawrence, who was... Right, right, right. He's played for Derby since 2011 and he's scored four goals. Mm. Four goals. Not a good good return. No, I agree. If you look at his... If you look... See, again, I looked into this. Last season, he played um, a 1,000 minutes in 30 games, which I think worked out as like 30 games, uh, 30 minutes played so mainly off the bench you look into the appearances he has the minutes he's getting he's getting five ten minutes on the pitch he very rarely started at any point at derby very rarely had i think the most starts in the season maybe was last season was like 10 so it's hard if someone's constant their whole career is coming off the bench for 10 minutes to see if you can impact a game so 23 year old he's aged quite a bit isn't he he yeah he's he's seen some things he's not using the old oil of ole is he (laughs) he's not I mean, we're employing him. Well, he's on loan, so that's the hmm. that's the first thing. I mean, just to touch on your point there, Aaron. The lack of goals. Rowett mentioned it in his in his um, interview to camera on on the official site. He hasn't. The boy doesn't have a great goal scoring record, but he does have power and pace. So that's that's hmm. fun. We're not paying for him. He's here on loan to the end of the season. Um, the, what you might call the character issue, I suppose, is is the sixty four thousand dollar question. Yeah. Um, because so far this season has been built on a great spirit in the dressing room. There's been a lot of articles online about, and we saw it with Ryan Woods the other week, Jed's taking him mm. under his wing, you know, room up with, with us at the, at the hotel they stay at, so and so on. Um, I don't know this guy, Mason Bennett, at all, other than what I read online. And far be it from me to, to condemn anyone for, for misdemeanors in the past. We've all been young. We've all, been, we've all done silly things. 
Um, and I can see how a, a footballer's life is a, is a cosseted one. Why you jump in your car to go to a piss-up, I don't know. Um, mm. What having got yourself pissed while you jump in your car and he's also chucking up at the uh at the event because he's yeah. done he's been pressured into drinking jagermeisters jager bombs whatever they call them um which you can i, I just get a sense of a, of a of a of a young man who doesn't have quite yet the moral strength in himself to say no thank you i don't want to drink that um whoever's pressuring you i'll i'll, I'll stick to my um whatever i'm on you know rather than getting yeah fl- i think what's he's got a a really big this is a really big six months for him I, I, I've kind of yeah. seen it as this is six months to save his career if he wants to be a player who's going to be playing top end or top yeah. half championship football his, his contract's up with Derby at the end of the season they're yet to offer him a new one maybe it's because of his injury maybe it's there's rumours that they might be offering him one but they're not settled yet he's got he's played as Derby from a kid all the way through he's never been anywhere else like you say not a great goal record he's come to Millwall for six months if he does well with us we could offer him a contract. He could see out his time at Derby and come and join us permanently. If he does really well, Derby might want to extend it. Like, And if he doesn't do well at either, he's going to be he released let, and, he, and struggling for a team. He let, he'll end up at Burton Albion. He will. That's, yeah. But that's yeah. the thing. He'll, yeah. he'll end up at a top-end League One, or a top-end League Two or a bottom-end League One team. Do you know who end up with? He'll end up with Barry Fry at Peterborough. Yeah, that, that they do like a risk, but I think they're a bit too clever for. Thanks to Richard like I thought we might be ending up with Ben Marshall at that pub team. He's, he's in <laughs> well, that's just not going to help his drink driving. Just playing for a pub team. He, 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 can, he, can give, he can give Ben Ben a lift home. Um, anyway. I don't know. I mean, we're not employing him particularly for his brains. Um, we're not employing him for his um, his moral standing. If he gets goals, and and you're right, both that this is a huge opportunity. And possibly it's either upwards from here or it's back into through the trap door. There's plenty, plenty, plenty um, below where he could fall down to. So let's wait and see. Mm. Um, a goal on Saturday will help his cause a lot, and um, you know much will be forgiven. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, there we are. Uh, moving on. And um, just looking at Luke Steele, of course, as we emerged at the den for some reason. Could we see Frank Fielding leaving, do you reckon, maybe? I, how, I, how long did they give him on a contract? Do you know? Don't know. Don't know. Season? I mean, he's, 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 he's quite old in football terms. Isn't That's he? the thing. I would wonder if it was more than this just this one season. I mean, if it's just this one oh, season, no, he's about gone. to undergo surgery, according to the SLP. He's uh, he's about to undergo surgery, Frank Fielding, on an arm injury. Yeah, I mean, torrid time for him, getting injured 20 minutes into his debut, coming back from injury and then getting injured in training requiring surgery. Two completely yeah. unrelated injuries, pretty accident lights. It's a nightmare for him. And, you know, Millwall fans aren't really missing him because we've got it, Bart. But on a personal level, you've got to feel sorry for him. The the the, the, the best line comes out from uh, Gary Rowett in this, I think, is it's rotten luck for Frankie again. Well, mate, no one gives a shit. Have you seen <laughs> what you got? <laughs> you, you just signed to keep it permanently, mate. You're not worried about Frank Fielding. I mean, I mean, you must sit there and look at Frank Fielding. Just you must think, what have I done? Like, just as number one, twenty minutes in, it's like bang, they're going to start. So I'm probably one of the division's best, if not the best goalkeeper. Just as a side point, I mean, I, I watched the um, just going back a moment to to Fielding, I suppose, but also back to to Mason Bennett. 
Um, I'm struck when whenever we watch Gary Rowett's interviews, um, he's, he's quite affable. He's, he's a good talker. You can see why Sky wanted him on, on their uh, roundup show because he, he, he speaks lucidly and he, he can mm. hold his own. But you do get a sense there's a rod of steel down his back. You do get, he said to Mason Bennett that they'd had a closed door conversation about the, 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 the realities of where he's at right now. And you can, I think he does do the arm around the shoulder, but you can also get a sense that there's a manager there that won't take any nonsense off of a player and will put him straight if if he's got any delusions that he's a superstar coming to a club that's going to worship the ground he walks on. So um, I have that as my my high hope. I think also with fielding, just I, I think, you know, bad luck on, on Frank. I think that might well be the, the epitaph for Frank fielding at the den. I, I, I wonder whether we'll see him again in the middle shirt or yeah. whether, he plays, whether he plays football at any level again, because... If you keep getting injured, you're you're not going to go very far, you know. Yeah. Hard, um, hard but true. Very quickly, uh, Nick, what's this Leeds defeat going to do to to the, the side's confidence? I mean, obviously, we go into a game against Sheffield Wednesday at the weekend. Who, let's be fair, um, you know, they are about as consistent as school custard. Do you know what I mean? Like literally, like they are so poor sometimes. I mean, I watched mm. them the week they got done five 0 by Blackburn Rovers. Five 0 Blackburn, yeah, yeah, baffling, baffling. But you know, I think two weeks before I'd seen them uh, beat Forest four 0 at the City Ground. It just it makes no sense. I mean, the the, the championship is just such a you know, sort of, uh, it's like the ADHD of football leagues. I mean, you know, <laughs> neither here nor there. You know, it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But, you know, what's this going to do with the confidence? And, and is it a case of trying to get out there and trying to grab something so heads don't drop? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, the, the, the hectic pace of, of, um, of, of January has, has uh, clearly, you know, plays its part. But I... I do think there's a slight fork in the road here because when the game finished, I, I, it reminded me a little bit, and I wouldn't put Leeds in the same bracket as the Spurs side that we played a few years ago in the FA Cup, but there was a sense in that game that we were like the little boy in school when you put your, your, your arm on his forehead and he tries to swing punches and can't get near you. You know, There was a little bit of a sense of that. Well, it wasn't quite as bad on, on uh, Tuesday night because we did create a couple of chances toward the end, which I took a bit of a crumb of comfort from. Um, I think all we can do is get get back in the saddle fast and and go again because you've got to write that that off. If you dwell mm. on it, if you dwell on the fact there is another level of football that you can't reach or haven't been able to reach, then you might give up. And and I think that that's that's the only danger that the legacy of of Leeds away will will leave us because I think we're we're better than we performed on Tuesday and we've shown that so far. So I I'm hoping for the best on Saturday. Yeah, I think I think it is. It's it's a strange one because I think it's the manner of the Leeds defeat would is raising the questions of is it going to upset the the momentum? I think if we'd have lost two uh, nil and Leeds had just dominated the game, people wouldn't be asking as much. I think the Sheffield some people are saying the Sheffield United could cost us momentum. I think the squad knew like they've obviously had chats about that not being priority. No one was really fussed about going out of the cup. Mm. Sheffield Wednesday have lost three of their last four at home. They've had their purple patch where they beat Brentford and, like you say, beat Forest at the county ground and have since then have lost a lot of games. So they're going to be feeling fragile. They're not going to be on their top form. It's a winnable game, for sure. And like you say, it's just the opportunity to get straight back on. And with the attitude of the squad, they're going to want to bounce back with a win. They're not going to rest on their laurels, maybe, that we saw feel sorry for themselves under Harris. You know, when, when we weren't winning away from home for weeks and weeks and months of seasons, 
you lose a game 3-2 like that after being 2-0 up, you know you're not winning away from home for the next six weeks because the players are just going to be so demoralised. With this current squad and the current atmosphere, you can see them bouncing back. You can see them being up for the game, going hard and like playing for all three points like very, very hard. Was it the right call to rest players against Sheffield United in the cup? Yeah, 100%. I think it's a completely irrelevant You think game. that was the right, the right decision? 100%. 100%. Rather than change, change and lose momentum? Jed Wallace was knackered at the end of the Leeds game. Imagine if he'd have played a full 90 minutes against Sheffield Wednesday. He could have pulled a hamstring and been out for the season. I think all the questions about, oh, you know, the cup. One year in the cup doesn't matter. Like, Sheffield United, uh, we could play a full-strength team and Sheffield United would do really well as well. I think the position that we're in, I couldn't care less about the FA Cup. Like, not at all. People, like, not all the time, but this season specifically because of the situation we're in. We're playing Sheffield United. Okay, it's a, it's a good, like we said uh, when we got the draw, they're probably the worst Premier League team we could have got because they're yeah, the hardest yeah, fixture. Yeah, that's, that's true. And, and you've got Gary Rowitz assessing his squad still. He's got a, like he said, put um, O'Brien in, put um, Mahoney in, put these players in that he needs to assess. He needs to see, can they step up? It's also an opportunity for Mitchell and Brown to start. If they don't play in that game, people next week start moaning that the young players aren't getting a chance. He can't really win with it. So I don't think I don't think that would cost the team momentum. Jed Wallace came on in the Sheffield United game and was good. Played really well against Leeds, to be honest, until the end when he started to tire. He hasn't lost momentum. I think I think it's an easy kind of moan to make, but I don't really think it affects anything. Mate, it's always never stopped me before making an easy moan. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> if there's an easy moan to be had, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I suppose Mason Bennett's attributes will also. I mean, I think um, Rowett said this in, in the interview that I saw that uh, it will take some of the pressure off of Jed, the the the, the running and you know, the the keeping of the ball down at the other end of the pitch rather than their own last third will also now be that workload will be shared between Mason Bennett and. Jed Wallace, so hopefully yeah. that'll, that'll give us more options. Um, yeah, big big Saturday to come. I'm, I'm going up there. I'm gonna have a, a, I'll do a, a, one of my live shows from from Hillsborough, and um, let's, let's, let's hope it's the five nil loss Sheffield Wednesday to turn out because <laughs> we're still not that far off the pace. You know, I mean, I know it's a loss. It's a strange division, isn't it? Nick? Strange it division. Three you don't really know still. how far off you are at any point because you turn up, we're three points off, we win, and one week all the other teams win, another week all the other teams lose. All you can do is keep winning games. Achtung, Mailball. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Achtung Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. All one word, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232. That's 0208 144 0232. Leave us a voicemail. No human will be involved in the receipt of your message. So give us a shout. Tell us what you think about all things Millwall. And the best messages will be read out on air. It's crazy. Uh, good news this week, though. I mean, the, the signing of Bart and his sort of reveal video, it looked like a trailer to, like, Taken 7, didn't it? <laughs> 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 you know... Uh, Eastern European man like kidnaps someone, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been a great find. I mean, he kind of, he kind of came in as the second um, uh, the second chip keeper to Frank Fielding, who, um, you know, I mean, Frank Fielding started his one ever uh, performance so far, anyway, at the start of the season, mm. since there's been Bart Bielkowski. But, you know, going back to Leeds for a moment, even though we were 2 0 up, he was still making goal saving saves, and I can't remember yeah. how many shots on target they had in the first half enough to make me think at the half-time break but for Bart we'd be two each possibly even three two behind by now so yeah definitely you know he he's been a real find he's been I'm trying to think of a better goalkeeper I've seen and I'm going back to Denzel and possibly back further into the past with some of the great mill goalkeepers beyond Brian King back in the in the 70s because he's he's at that level he does does have the ability Casey Kellenick Keller, Keller was great, and in fact, he's probably closest to Casey Keller as I think about it. Uh, uh, Denzel to a degree because they all they all were great instinctive shot stoppers, and and yet they all have a moment of of, of oddity in them. So each, they were each... also really good with the crowd, though, as well. I remember, especially when I was younger, because I got kind of maybe the second half of Tony with uh, Tony Warner's sort of like time at Millwall when I was growing up. He was always great with the crowd; people yeah. loved him. Interacting you know, with the and, crowd, and Bart Bart is the same. You can see on the videos. And, you know, he's always in a gif or he's always making a joke and always on Twitter, he's quite funny. He has that sort of atmosphere as well. As yeah. being, being a quality shot stopper, he's also lo- seems to love the club, gets on with the fans, has a joke. like, And that's what you want as well from someone like that, a bit of personality. Well, Keller, Keller would do that. Casey back at the old den as well would interact with the blokes on the terraces behind him. And, um, yeah, I mean, it gives personality to the goalkeeper. I, I think he's been a great, great find. And it's really great news that he's signed a permanent contract. It's an 18-month contract, I think. So it's the remainder of this season and next. And then we'll yeah. see where we go after that. So um, a series of good good signings this week in that sense with Bielkowski, um, but also Sean Williams and Sean Hutchinson both signing long-term deals as well. So um, it's been good business. a good business week, if not on the field, off the field. Yeah. Well, they've changed their policy, haven't they, as well, Nick, of giving uh, one-year deals to players over 30. So... Um, Bart's yeah. 18 months, uh, Sean Williams has got an 18 months, uh, 
And Sean yeah. Hutchinson's contract expires in 2022, 2023? 2023, I think. Sean Hutchinson was older than I thought. Did I read he's 29? 29, yeah. I thought he was younger than that. Again, I mean, he's another. He's a he's a throwback to an old era when a black and white era when every player looked like he was in his forties. You know, <laughs> um, I, I I thought he was younger than that. But um, again, he's 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 been a real solid rock. He's he's a real Millwall centre half, Sean Hutchinson, and you know had a bit of a wobble last season with injury and form. But I mean, pre- previous to that, he was a player of the season, wasn't he? In the, uh, yeah. the seventeen eighteen. And this season, he's, he's, he's back on point again. So that's great news. And Sean Williams, the same. You know, another over-30 player. So I think that was Neil Harris's ruling about over-30s don't get more than one year of contract at a time, which seemed yeah. a bit, short, seemed a bit well, short-sighted. I think, I think seemed... that policy as well might have been, obviously, don't, I don't know the ins and outs of the club's finances, but off the back of the Holloway era, that is uh, <laughs> where... where, where I'd say 90% of our squad were over 30 on yeah. four five-year contracts. And, you know, I think maybe it was a more of a reaction from the club rather than Harris himself that, look, if players are getting on, we can't afford to lose, like, you know, a 30-year-old, you have them on a three-year contract, they pull a hamstring or they get break their leg in a game and their career's over and then you're stuck for three years paying them. So, but now you can see, like, like you're saying, with Bart Hutchinson and uh, Williams, there's a bit more faith. They're still not mega long deals. They're still going to take them into their mid thirties, early thirties. Yeah. But they're players. They're all characters as well. I think they're all. Sean Hutchinson, like saying, vice captain, great player, great um, player for the dressing room. Sean Williams as well, really good. Because Malumbi's on loan. I think if we, at the end of this season, if we lost Williams and Malumbi at the same time, it would be a bit of a panic to find a new midfielder. So it's good to keep them around. But they're good, experienced people who've done a long, played through the club for a long time done well for the club and they're good to have around I mean each are different characters you're right in the the, the leadership of the dressing room we, 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 there's a great article I think it was an interview with Jed about leadership in the dressing yeah. room um, and each of those blokes there Sean Williams uh, Sean Hutchinson Bart Bielkowski each have their own personality but they each lead in different, their different ways and I think it's it's been one of the great um, you know, strands of this season really to see that dressing room really come into its own because we've always prided ourselves on the the Mike Calvin governors, the idea of the Tony Craigs and the, and the Steve Morrisons, you know, mm. um, leading leading a group of blokes to to achieve more than even even with the return of Tim Cahill a couple of years ago. These characters kind of carry men when move them, and I think that's what we've got at the moment. Um, yeah, and I'd also I mean Wallace it's an interesting article worth a read if anyone. Um, hasn't seen it. It's on News at Den. Um, he mentions Alex Pierce, who um, is also a, a character in his own right. And I'm guessing with this kind of culture of, uh, you know, person, strong personalities in the right way, because Jed mentions the, uh, the the drive to get the training routines right, the the, the fitness bar being set high, the yeah. Um, was it was it Sean Hutchins in, in the gym at quarter past eight in the morning, which um, yeah, I'm normally having a cup of coffee and a bit of uh, we're, all, we're all doing that. We're all doing that these days. Uh, like, you know, what time do you get us, to the gym, Brian? Are you in there? Uh, quarter, I think, quarter past I, think eight, I got to the gym in 2017. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think that was the last time. I might, I might have left my membership card there. Nick, 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 Nick you're, you're up for your physical jerks at that time, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> I thank I thank you, Mrs. Uh, so now we, we get, we'll just get back to football. Um, I think it's a good, <clears throat> it's a strong culture, and 
just to touch one last time on Mason Bennett, which sounds like a, a firm of solicitors, incidentally, listeners, and Mason Bennett. Um, Wallace Heaton, no, choose Mason Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he's going to, if if he wants to fall off the off the rails, and he's probably chosen the wrong dressing room in which to, you know, to uh, to, to 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 do that. So um, I think he'll be put straight quite quickly, if not yeah, by the players, no, by the manager. It's also good that he's stepping into the dressing room. Obviously knows Rowett a bit from his time at Derby. Knows Pierce as well from his time at Derby. And so that's two faces, two senior faces, obviously, the captain and the manager, who he knows that can settle him a bit, that can help integrate, which is good. And like you're saying about Pierce, I think he divides opinion in terms of his quality on the pitch. But I think he's one of those captains that uh, it's his off-the-pitch work that you don't see. Maybe like later years... Um, Steve Morrison and maybe like Andy Frampton when he was at Mill. I think I remember reading in Michael Calvin's book you yeah, know, about Mill, yeah. but the family one about yeah. how important Frampton was, even though he might have not been the best player on the pitch or might have never seemed to like impress everyone too much. But off the pitch and in the dressing room around the club day to day, they're just vital. And Pierce could play a big role in helping Mason Bennett settle. And like I say, he's already played a big role in helping the defence and the, the atmosphere in the, in the club. It's interesting. I'm just reading this this piece as you as you're speaking there, Ron. I mean, you, you, I, I, one of my little private games that I play sometimes, not not physically. <laughs> we don't need to know about those. Come on. <laughs> well, you just try and spot who the future managers might be in in the in the squad, and you know, my mm. eye keeps falling on Jed Wallace. Um, he says in this piece here, he's a big admirer of Steve Morrison, another player that you'd say has that kind of um, Sean Dyche style iron quality to, to make hard decisions and stand by them and in a funny way jed is reading the piece he's, he's also quite a driven bloke mm. you know obviously he would have the, the the promise of premier league football if not this season you know with, with millwall possibly um but certainly in the in the future he's, he's been sought after he, his mind must be on achieving that that level um and you just, you know, just reading the his, his account of what he admires in the dressing room, the, the attributes, you think that, that's 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 a possible management um, account being, you know, I mean, we've got Rowett now, next player, but you just you always wonder who who could do it and who couldn't. I think I think Wallace mm. may, be, may be one to watch for the future. It is interesting because there are always ones who pop up and surprise you, to be honest. Yeah. Because uh, like even like Wayne Rooney now potentially looking to go into management, obviously matured as he got older. But I mean, if someone had said it, Mid twenties, early twenties, Wayne Rooney. That this guy could go on to be a manager. Obviously, he's not there yet. You wouldn't necessarily have thought he's the sort of player you want, but he's apparently dead set on it. Yeah, so. I suppose. I suppose. Um, you know, Dyche is always. The, I mean, he was. He was a very um, unremarkable player. I mean, he played mm. in Chesterfield. Uh, he did the rounds. He came to Mill for um, for the uh, 2001 2000-2001 season. I think it was. Played in central defence, and he was an okay defender. But you wouldn't have picked him out as no. a a manager that would succeed and be spoken of as a possible, you know, candidate for, for the England national team yeah. at some point. So it's interesting to see how these things unfold, you know. Yeah. But uh, It's important yeah. who, who players play under as well. I think they influence them a lot. Yeah, and I, I guess the, the Mason Bennett, by putting him into a dressing that's clearly got this kind of standard of behaviour that they set for themselves, um, it, it sounds like Derby was full of, um, you know, a dressing room that wasn't wasn't the best. So I think um, you can see how they're run financially and how they are performing on the pitch. It's probably not the best club to be around, to be honest. I've read, like, I've read so, so much of the account of the drink driving evening. I almost feel like I've lived every single <laughs> y- Yager bomb, every single um, glass of this, and, and then every single 
puke in the toilet afterwards. I, I think mm. I've lived it with him. So um, let's hope that he's, he's coming into a good place now and this is a good dressing room and that he responds because, as, as we said earlier on, it's a big chance for him. So Yeah. There we are. Um, mentioned bet, Aaron. Does the, does the world need more online bookmakers in football? Are we, are, are we short of one or two? Are there listeners out there that can't lay a bet if they want one? We've we've got a sponsorship deal going with with, with uh, Mansion Bet listeners. I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's just sort of much of a muchness, really. You know, these, mm. um, these online bookmakers. I mean, I've never bet with Mansion Bet. I don't know if, you know if anyone puts on an accumulator Mansion Bet. We should we should have a poll. Uh, you know, has anyone actually put on a bet with Mansion Bet? Or an energy bet was our previous betting yeah, guy. Another one who you know, Daffa Bet, there's um there's all the all these random betting companies that like spring up from places. I don't know. I don't know. Man- Manchester have got a half decent reputation, they sponsored Spurs and Palace. Yeah, and Palace, yeah. They're yeah. making their way around sort of the London footballing circles. Well yeah. they they were most most responsible online gambling operator global. Oh. 2018. So that's interesting. That, that, that well, does that mean, does that mean they don't make people kill themselves? Um, I, I have mixed. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, it's the modern football game. I've actually, yeah, I've right, actually I, written a bit my blog. I, I think I'm going to put it up at the beginning of next week after the weekend about gambling and football. It is something that I detest about it, and I think I, it's a personal view. But I think if Millwall took on a shirt, a full frontal shirt, shirt sponsor of a, any certain betting companies, I wouldn't be going down with them. But uh, I. It's part of the way. I don't mind the off the pitch ones. Like it's not a, it's not shirt sponsor. It's nothing like that. Clubs have it. Clubs have like alcohol partners and everything. It's just a revenue stream these days. It's just an unfortunate part of football for me. There's nothing wrong with having a bet, but having it plastered all over the game is something that just I I despise massively. I think, yeah, I mean, I know people think that I'm some kind of monk living in a in a in a in a monastery somewhere. I don't really don't begrudge people. Um, a drink, a bet, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. No, of course um, not. I just think that the influence of gambling in, in sport, because it's not just football. I mean, you, you can look in any sport from cricket to, to rugby to, to to anything you like and see gambling here and gambling there. Um, it's it's part of the modern world. And I, I get the argument that if we don't take an income stream, then we're turning down money and everyone else is at it. So why aren't we? But um, I... I've had on this show actually. I sometimes, from time to time, I get little private messages on Twitter from various online betting companies, often ones I've never heard of, asking if they can do sponsorship. Or, oh, yeah. Uh, and I always, always turn them down because I'm, I'm on my moral high horse, listeners. If you, mm. if you don't, if you didn't know it. Um, but I, I, it's just not something I want to do. I, I think it's boring. Actually, I don't think people don't tune into this show to listen to some Herbert giving the odds for for Saturday. They yeah. Can find, Find that yourself if you want it. But. That's the thing. I listen to the the Not the Top Twenty podcast occasionally, and it's uh they do two a week where they do like a review of all the the football league games or as many as they can, and then they do a preview one which is just a betting show, and they just yeah. go through like, oh, this is a bet I'm going to place, and it's just like, why you why what why do we need to listen to this? Why you're obviously you're just doing this show because you're getting paid to do it, and it's just like you say, it's boring, but it's also I just. Something about the taking the money to do it for it's destructive, destructive for like sport. In I mean, anyway, some of the stats I've been reading over the last week while I've been writing this bit are just they will just blow your mind. Like, they're just shocking, they're just shocking about the whole industry. 
Achtung, Mehlball. Millwall heart was broken. What about you, Ryan? When was your Millwall heart broken? Mate? 
So I think <laughs> mine all, you know, so let's keep up the cheery mood of the podcast. Um, I think mine was, I've, I've had two major ones, really. Well, a couple more than that. But the two earliest ones for me, like you said, we sold Cahill in 2000 and, was it 2005, was it? And, yeah. Uh, to Everton. Yeah. And again, I was still a bit young at that point to have my heart broken by it. It was my favourite player. He's the reason I'd fallen in love with football and Millwall so much. But And it was sad to see him go, but. He hard struggled to grasp it at that age. So my first proper one was the the playoff final in two thousand and nine against Scumfork. Oh, Scumfork three two. I think yeah. purely because I remember the day so vividly, and uh, the high of Gary Alexander's absolute wonder goal coming back from two one down, and then him missing the easiest chance of the game <laughs> to make it three one to then lose three two. It's a proper as I mean as a neutral, it must have been a fantastic game to watch. <laughs> but as a Millwall fan, it was awful. And in hindsight, it's not as bad, obviously, because we went straight back, straight up the next year. But at the time, I was shattered. And as as I was there with my my, my family, because I was still quite young at the time, but I was the only one who was like really, really invested in it. Like yeah. my, my the rest of my family weren't as much, so I was just distraught. And then the second one, which I remember reading the news at school and then just not doing anything for the rest of the day and just sitting in a chair <laughs> was when Kenny Jacket resigned. Oh, and really? I just, that, yeah, that because, you, did it? Well, okay. he was he was the Millwall manager for most of my life to that point. <laughs> you know, he was Millwall's manager. All these clubs around us sacked their managers every two years and Millwall had the third longest reigning manager in England and he left and I was just like, I've not really had this before. What We're changing manager. Like, Kenny Jacket, I love him. He's, what, a guy, you know? <laughs> and it took me it took me a good day or two to really get my head around the fact that we were going to need to find a new manager and we did that in Steve Lomas who you know <laughs> the rest is history yeah. it's fascinating to, to to hear what people you know I mean obviously everyone comes to the club at different points in time so the heartbreak of, of one is is either ancient history or is just another bad day at Millwall for others. You know, it's it's quite fascinating. Even looking at the list, I mean, it's really touched a nerve out there online with this this whole subject of Millwall heartbreaks. We've got some great responses, but I've, I've never thought of as of Kenny Jacket leaving as being a heartbreaking moment in that way. I mean, it was disappointing at the time, but it was just another day for me at Millwall. You know, it's interesting to. Yeah, of course. So here, 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 it affected you, you know. Um, but got some good ones here. Shall we run through the list here, Aaron? Got some good yeah, ones. Yeah, uh, let's kick off with uh, who do you fancy? I mean, there's well, loads. Dan, Dan Marsh named Stern John in the last minute. Um, Birmingham <laughs> one, uh, Mill Nil Birmingham one playoff <laughs> final two thousand. Was that two thousand and one? Was that two thousand and two? Wasn't it? Um, that 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 occurred. Um, yeah, that was that was gutting because I think Dion Dudley had missed a great chance to put us one up. It was just a few moments before that, it would have been a late winner, you know. Um, and then there was obviously uh, Riot and Mayhem followed out there in, in on the Alderton Road and Zampa Road. That was a, that was a strange conclusion to a, to a, to an evening. So Stern John broke Dan Marsh's heart. Um, Jim Neal mentions, oh, I've forgotten this one, relegation on the last day of the 95-96 season. Because we'd, we'd been top that season. We'd been we'd been top of the league um, at Christmas um, under Mick McCarthy. Um, and we, then we contrived to get relegated. Uh, and then, as he says, that led on to Keller, Ray, Alex Ray, Casey Keller and Ben Thatcher being sold. Um and that included the two Russians, the uh, oh yeah, the Russians are legendary. Uh, Kulkov and and um, Uran, Sergey Uran, Vladimir 
Kulkov was signed and they were absolute they were out, out of condition. I think does them a favour. They were, you know, carrying carrying more weight than Ben Marshall around the around the middle when they they, they came to see us. And they'd played in the World Cup for Russia, so that was that was an interesting season. Um, got an old one here from from Millwall Kev. Millwall Kev uh, mentions the sale of Keith Weller. Keith Weller was um, before my time actually, so I've only seen Keith. Only knew Keith Weller as a Leicester player, I think he was. Then he then he went to America, um, a Millwall midfielder um, of the past. And that, he was sold in the past about seventy seventy one. I think we would have sold Keith Weller, but that broke Mill Kev's heart out there. Mister H K, his heart was broken by James Beatty of Southampton, who's <laughs> 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 where we played Southampton in the third round of the cup at St Mary's. Um, he was twelve years old, Mister H K. Oh, fair enough. And James Beatty scored a last minute equaliser. I feel uh, like at a young age, late winners or or late losses really do break your heart every time you see them because you just you. I don't think you have in your head the concept of your team losing. No, I feel like when you think back, you think, oh, when I was little, every game I went to, we seemed to win. And you probably look back through the fixture list and every loss would have just been awful. Tell me, tell me your Manchester United heartbreak, Aaron, because, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you're, 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 you're United fan primarily, just, aren't you? So, the, the club today. <laughs> well, uh, I, I imagine it must be heartbreaking to see the, the club um, in its current plight, although... You know, it's, it's it's solvable in the sense that the ownership there is clearly mismanaging things to allow this to happen. I mean, honestly, biggest heartbreak was probably when when Spartan Ferguson got ill. Yeah, true. Was like, no, that was actually yeah. like I was in bits when when Alex Ferguson got ill. Yeah. Fair yeah. Job, when players leave, when when players leave, like you know, um, I mean the fact that Liverpool are going to win the Premier League this season, it just is very depressing. I'm sorry, I've just had the most baffling call at the door. Um, I, I mute I the podcast. In fact, you can keep this in this one. You never right. guess who turned up? Uh, at your front door? Yeah. Um, well, it's going to be like, there's a lot of characters. I don't know. Who would turn up at your front door on a Friday? Radio night? survey people. Rajar. Horrible <laughs> <laughs> bloody people. Did you say whether you've heard of Love Sport Radio or not? I, 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 said, I said to him, and, and they, he goes, oh, can I take your occupation? I said, I work in radio. He's like, I can't interview you. I can't do it. I was just like, oh, no problem, but. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, no. Um, Alex Ferguson's illness. Alex Ferguson retiring was just yeah. a poor sort of heartbreak, you know. I've just seen a good one on Twitter, Nick. Cool. Uh, um, the emotional one, Schultz, he's saying, getting relegated at Ipswich on the final day after being top at Christmas in 95-96. Yeah. I advise that as wooden seats are ripped up and lobbed onto the pitch. It was such a Millwall way to do things. I love this. <laughs> yes, that was, that was a Millwall way to do it. <laughs> um, well, we also got one from MFC Steve here, Brighton away in the playoffs. We went, we got beat 4-1 at Brighton in the 1991 playoffs. And Mick McCarthy saw fit to change the formation in that game. I don't know why he did it, because we... We were a traditional um, 4-4-2 turnout and he decided to play a five-man defence and we, we got beat down at the Goldstone ground as it was then 4-1 and all, all the wheels came off completely. And uh, Steve mentions Birmingham at home as well. A um, couple of, couple of well, another Kev, not, not, not the previous Kev, mentions Mark Kennedy being sold to Liverpool. Um, it's, it's interesting what affects people. I, 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 I wouldn't have just... Mm. I mean, I suppose since Golden Hill going in the 70s, I've expected Kennedys and others to... to yeah, I think some, it matters. I think point. 
it is very personal. If you you can, people can just have affiliations with players for absolutely no reason. You know, it might be that that they like a certain winger because that's the side of the ground they sat on, and on their debut they had a great game in front of them. You know, it's small things like that that really make people care about certain players, certain games, things like that. It's an interesting question for. Yeah, Mill are going to break your heart. It's just a matter of when. When? I was wounded last year. You know the Brighton game, Nick? Oh, yeah, that was awful. Oh, I was gutted. <laughs> I was on my knees. On my knees. Oh, oh, to give up a two-goal lead that late. Yeah, I mean, um, you do get... I don't know if you get used to it. You become inured to it. I think that's probably the, the, the way I put it, is that you, you kind of expect disaster at some mm. point. I mean, even this current first of good form, you know, I mean, we've, we've been playing out of our skins for some time, but you kind of know at some point there's going to be a, a Leeds or someone's going to play on a level that puts you in your, in, back in your box a little bit, you know. Um, yeah. We've had so many replies to this topic, though. I mean... It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Shout out to Paul Butler saying the Brighton Cup game is still raw. I mean, I agree with you yeah. One power. Yeah. Uh, Barnsley and Scumthorpe at Wembley stunk the type of corner as too much as we went and put it right the next season. Simon says 95-96 being relegated. Yeah. Uh, Mick McCarthy down tools after accepting the Republic of Ireland job. Uh, who else? Stan LDN um, said the 1999 auto windscreen shield final. <laughs> Yeah, got the remnants of a snap commemorative flag somewhere. Jamie said the sale of <laughs> Doncaster. I cried. Grumpy Grimace, our old mate, Grumpy Grimace. What a guy! Yeah, um, um, heart, heartbreak memory. Was talking about um, the heartbreak memory, Mill to Norwich Street, and also the foot, the sale of Tim Cahill. Um, mm. You know, Terry Cooper losing 5-1 to West Brom away after my favourite memory of beating them 3-0 at the den in the first leg. It was my first midweek away game. Uh, Mr HK has obviously mentioned the game Southampton in the third round of the FA Cup. Yep. Kev, first memory, Mark Kennedy being sold to Liverpool. Biggest of all time, finding out about Neil Harris's cancer. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that was an interesting one um, because, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of came out of a clear blue sky and I think it's interesting because Neil Harris obviously has become this mill figure as, as a player and then also as, as a manager um, but it's, it, a lot won't remember now I think just how good a striker he was when he was with us in the third division his goals had shot us out of the, the third division into the second division uh, I can't mm. remember what they were called at the time championship now will be the second second tier um, and Neil Harris's goals uh, I think he's got about 30 goals in the season alongside Paul Moody up front and he was a hot striker. I mean, there was there was talk of Spurs, maybe Liverpool being in for him. Um, he was probably going to be moving on at some point fairly soon for big money by the standards of the day. And then this 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 thing happened, um, this, the, the 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 cancer which changed his life and probably stopped a lot of us in our tracks. Rather, I mean, um, it's it doesn't seem right for a player at the you know in his early stage of his career, peak of fitness, to suddenly be mm. laid low by a life-threatening um, condition like that. But there it was. I mean, I've always thought Neil Harris's life story would make a great movie. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I think that, like, you're exactly right with that. It's just fantastic. And I think it's always, you know, go off topic. It is completely... I mean, I was only little at that sort of stage. And so I, always, I kind of got my head around all this later, maybe when he came back to me or when he was kind of coming through when he helped us with Alexander and things like that in the later stages of career. Yeah. But even as a manager, you know, he's always very open about 
talking about um, his cancer, especially, and how it affects him as a player. I think he did a few interviews with Sky Sports about it, did that one on TalkSport, always comes across so well. And obviously, what he did as a manager, what he did as a player, make him a legend. But uh, him as a person, with that at the centre of kind of this career, and like you say, maybe struck him down from reaching what he could have done as a player, kind of just summarised Neil Harris as a bloke. And it's... Uh, like I say, it's probably a good heart well, a good heartbreak to have, but it's a good shout for a big heartbreak of like saying stopping people in their tracks and basically what was he, twenty one, twenty two at the time? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. It was it was certainly a, a moment that's that um, you know it, it it just stopped me as 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 as, as, I, as I say. I just want to say thank you to everybody who's responded to the thread because it did seem to strike a call, didn't it? It yeah. was um some some subjects you put out there don't really catch hold. Some do, some don't. But this one really did. So thank you to everyone for responding. Um, really appreciate it. Cheers, and um, we'll have to we'll have to think of another one next week. Now let's try and find another interesting one to get more more out of it. But yeah, big big thank you everyone for responding to that. Definitely. Just looking around uh, on deadline day, what's going on? Jared Bowen looks like he's off to West West Ham. West Ham, yeah. Three for one day. I mean, just like. Yeah, it's a club that's, I mean, you know, leave aside the whole West Ham rivalry with Millwall, but what an object lesson in what not to do with yourself. Sell one of the most, um, you know, well, well-respected well grounds and, you know, one of the most atmospheric grounds in English football to move into a an athletic stadium, which is what it is, um, and all in the name of chasing money um, and some dream of, of being one of Europe's top, you know, elite clubs, which you kind of knew was never going to happen. And now here they are, they're staring at relegation. I mean, are they just above yeah. the relegation? They're, I think they're on goal difference, they are. And I was actually I was reading an article last night on, in, the, in The Athletic about how relegation will put them in all sorts of trouble financially. Oh, like, okay. really, really bad. They, they will struggle massively if they get relegated. And I was actually, I think it was a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, Saw on Twitter the the Bowling Pub has been I think it's been set for demolition to be bought to bought made into flats I think closed down and it's like things like that like you're saying the move from Upton Park and put aside the rivalry it's a old school English ground and yeah. you know if Millwall did ever play West Ham maybe next season going to the London Stadium wouldn't be the same as going away to Upton Park it's just not oh the same. no 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 and no, to no, lose no, a no. footballing institution like that and I think that really kind of struck a chord in me that the pub is gone now because no one's there. That that kind of kind of hits it's, home, you know, these small things that we love about football that are just kind of getting taken away. But it's so much. I was reading um, some of the West Ham fans that started following me when I did the Isla Caton thing was kind of, I, I remained following them. So you kind of pick up a sense of, of the fan opinion at, at West Ham. And someone wrote a really quite a poignant thing about Upton Park and the loss of places like the Pine Mash, Nathan's Pine Mash, which is gone. You've got loads mm-hmm. of small, uh, there's this whole series of pubs as you walk up from Canning Town up, up the kind of hills towards uh, Green Street and, and the bowling. Um, there's loads of bars that once existed on the strength of either home or away fan uh, trade on match days. And that's all they've gone there. They've just been turned into corner shops or flats or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And then the whole kind of life that it brought to the area, because there's loads of match day businesses, whether it be selling fanzines or badges or scarves or, or whatever, the whole the whole match day thing, you know, there's all yeah. that they don't tolerate that at the Olympic Stadium. So, yeah, um, you, you, it really is almost um, kind of a Greek tragedy of, of selling your soul and gaining in the, gaining is. the world and getting nothing, you know. 
Uh, Westfield don't actually want them there. It causes them not than it's worse. So when you come out of the actual ground, you walk down sort of the main carriageway, if you like, towards like... Yeah, of course. It's all boarded up. It's all like... They barricaded up for about two hours after the game. Plus, oh, bloody hell. Um, you know, they look like they're about to sign Jared Bowen. Looking else, um, Luke Matheson. Does, does that name ring a bell? Yes, to Wolves, the Rochdale left back. Right back, right yeah. Back what, what a, right what a back, back, yeah. What a in, you know, a, a, a very young lad, a million pound deal uh, to Wolves up, million pounds to do a lot of business, uh, do a lot of uh, good for, for Rochdale. We were talking about Anthony Robinson as well. I really like him, Wigan fullback, championship player, currently sat in the relegation zone at Wigan, off to AC Milan. <laughs> <laughs> Wigan, Wigan to AC Milan, come on. It's the, it's the transition we all want to make. On Twitter. You know, it's like, pick your first, you know, the letter of your, your first name. The letter of your yeah. name. And, you know, your, your mum's dog star sign. And we'll work out, like, where your transfer is and all that. Mm. What the hell is that all about? I'm just looking I at the... I did one of those uh, today. I'm going from Celtic to Liverpool on a free. Apparently. <laughs> I've never heard. There's, there's one here on... I'm just looking at the BBC uh, deadline day feeder. They've got Harvey Bradbury... Millwall to Morecambe on loan. I've never heard of Harvey Bradbury. He must be one of the... He's under the 23 he is, yeah. Is he? I've never heard yeah. of him. Well, good luck to him anyway. He's on his way to Morecambe. I think he's a midfielder. Is he? I, I don't know they, him. They, don't they, know they're in big trouble, Morecambe. They could do with players. I think they're <laughs> just outside the relegation zone. The one relegation spot in League Two. But there's actually another big transfer for any any football manager playing listeners. So I think Harry might uh, know this one. Ricard, Ricardo... Ricario Zivkovic, oh, who yeah, yeah, has, yeah. has been bought by Sheffield United, along with Sander Burge. Those are two football manager-esque, unbelievable signings. And if they live up to their potential, that's just unbelievable business from Sheffield. That is, those two names might not mean much to anyone now. but Don't mean nothing to me, two. mate. <laughs> give it a season or two and they might be, we they, know no, they could be insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, Millwall taking on Sheffield Wednesday this weekend. Uh, Nick, you're going to be there. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Sheffield Wednesday sort of, again, you know, inconsistent. Consistently inconsistent. You, they can't decide where what they want to do, where they want to be. It's just been a, fu- a funny old ride for them. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, like, what, I'm sure Sheffield Wednesday will see this as a chance to bounce back. We have it as a chance to bounce back. I'm not sure it's a turning point of the season yet, but these are a series of big games and we 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 need a win out of Sheffield or we need a win out of West Bromwich Albion to keep in touch. So um, Saturday will be a great time to start to get back to the form that we just seem to have got uh, lost touch with slightly recently. Um, I am going to hope for the best and I'm going to do a prediction of us winning by one goal to nil at Hillsborough on Saturday. <clears throat> What about you, Ron? I think I I will be optimistic as well, and I will go 2-0. I two think nil. that they are relatively inconsistent, as Aaron says, and I think the squad will want to bounce back. And I think the fact that it's West Brom and Fulham at home does us a bit of luck. You know, it's a, if we can kick off with a win, we can go into this run heads up with the momentum back, and it could be an interesting period. So, yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 to Millwall. I'm going Sheffield Wednesday 1, Millwall 2. Lovely stuff. It's not really much to them. They're, they're a bit sort of a weirdly built team. I mean, mm. look, they're going for Connor Wickham. I mean, why would one team need five strikers? 
Strikers, like, what sort of booty formation are you looking to play? You know, it's just it's very strange the way they do things. Their squad is just a bit odd. Um, and I think they've got holes in, in different places. I mean, their strikers will be Rhodes, Fletcher, Sam Winnell, Newhew. Uh, they've got Forestieri lurking around as well. Yeah. A lad called Alessio de Cruz on loan from Parma. And, of course, they're after Conor Wickham. So, call it six. Um, six strikers they're going to have. It's just very strange. Very strange. Six strikers and Massimo Luongo. Um, but, yeah. There you go. I'm going to go for uh, one, two, one, two, it's, my Prido. It's nice to close with a, a, an optimistic um, three-way prediction of a Mill victory. It's, after a show that's touched on the dark and heavy side of life at times, you know, it's nice to finish on up. Oh, I love yeah. a three-way, lad. I love a good three-way. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, dear. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your report from your trip. Up to uh, up to Sheffield this weekend. It's certainly going to be uh, it's certainly going to be good for you, mate. So it's a nice little yeah. excursion. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd wrap up warm as well. I should put my balaclava on. Yeah. There you are. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's going to cause trouble. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you to everyone for joining us. Any comments and complaints? It's uh, at CBL underscore magazine on Twitter. Comments, <laughs> complaints, call it what you want. Um, yeah, I, 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 apart from that, I think we're, we're done, Nick. I think it's. Um, do you want to have a go at uh, bye for now, Ryan? Oh, big, big occasion. All right, um, bye for now. Mehlbein. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.